louder. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Hypodermic, the pod that sticks you deep. I'm TJ Bowser. Nick cannot be with us today due to insane technical difficulties, but we're going to plow ahead, and we have a very special guest. I actually had him on the TJ Bowser Power Hour a couple of years back, but he only did one book at that time. Returning guest to the Project Louder Network, Mr. Jason Douglas. Here he is on the screen now. Hey, buddy, how are you? Oh, I'm doing okay. How are you doing? Better now that you are here. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Technical difficulties, right? Only yeah. when you don't need them. Absolutely, man. But we are here. We are ready to do the content and talk about all the things, and we will just jump right into it. So for you listeners out there who don't know the things, Jason does comic books. He's also a teacher uh, during the daytime, but he is known for his comic books, and he did the <laughs> parallel comic book, which I'll let you talk about now. Yeah, so that literally my very first script ever, my very first book ever, uh, call it uh, The Midlife Crisis Finally Got Me Off My Butt and, and uh, to pursue a lifelong dream that I had since I was 12 years old to, to write a comic, and then I just did it. And, um, and then the best part of the story is uh, it gets produced, it gets picked up by SourcePoint Press, it gets dropped right into the beginning of the pandemic and flops hard. Um, but, uh, long-term, the, the amazing news, the, the, I can't believe this is happening to me news, um, was that in the same kind of blissful ignorance, um, irrational confidence that I had when I sat down to write the script in the first place, right? How hard could it be to write a comic book? Very hard. Very hard. That. Um, I also didn't know that when your book flops, you usually have one of two options, which is either, Hey, nice try, fulfill the dream moving on, or if, like, writing is your gig, you move on to the next project. Had no idea that is what you are supposed to do. So instead, uh, I went on, um, you know, over the next 18 months when people were locked down and there were no cons and no signs, I went on 75 shows, uh, podcasts and IG lives <laughs> and Facebook shows. Again, not knowing that's, that, that's a, a ridiculous number and it's not what you're supposed to do. <laughs> but... Um, you know, whatever that, that unintentional hustle is the wrong word, but that hustle pays off. Word starts to spread. Uh, the book picks up steam, um, eventually sells out with that and, and return to cons and doing a couple of shows and then garners two Ringo Award nominations. And mm -hmm. like it's just it's like this completely different atypical story from from how I wrote it to how it got picked up by a publisher, uh, very not 21st century style, and then how it actually got to people and, and, and became the book that it became. Uh, I, was at, I was at Baltimore um, for, for the award ceremony, and I got to do uh, my very first panel, right, at a show. And um, <laughs> I, I'm sitting there with uh, 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 editor-in-chief of SourcePoint Press at the time, Travis, and he's telling me this story about how um, – <laughs> how as the book was picking up steam because of all the shows I was doing, um, they had to, SourcePoint had to go to uh, uh, stores and buy back a ton of copies to meet the online demand, um, which is, again, not something that happens and completely blew me away. You know, kind of like, no, it doesn't. <laughs> like, like getting the news at the same time as the people who came to see the panel was and like, you know, speechless, not something I'm used to being speechless is, you know, like you said, I'm a I'm a public school teacher. I literally stand in front of 180 teenagers every day trying to convince yeah. them that grammar isn't boring, which, <laughs> which means you've got to have some kind of gift of gab, some kind of gift Absolutely. of BS, right? Because because it's not true. And um and so, like, I just I was like struck dumb by that because it's like, what you know, I knew it was atypical in some ways, but like, man, the, the story from its inception to like where we are right now, which is, yeah. you know, I, look, the Kickstarter is dominating my life because it's the new thing, and I'm terrified. Yes. And, it's, and we'll get there. Um, but like, but like, but here, here, you know, my next book lives or dies on a Kickstarter, right? It, yeah, it, it's crowdfunding. Really personal <laughs> story. So like, that's dominating the thing. Because it's new, but like 
you know, my other thing that's going on right now is I'm promoting and going out and like hitting, I'm doing signings and I'm doing a few shows to do the parallel special edition. Mm -hmm. And like the whole trip from that first day I sat down and typed the first words of, of the script to like having this expanded special edition that, that hit a bunch of like the nerd, like kind of pokey spots again for me. Mm -hmm. Like I got to curate back matter. Right. Like, like, you know, th this whole trip has been a blast because, OK, uh, variant covers out of nowhere that sold out like, mm -hmm. oh, my God, you're 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 you you know, your nerd nerve. It's like, oh, that's brilliant. Um, it back issues or not back issues, but like secondary market. I mean, obviously, no, no financial benefit to me, but like, you know, books show up on 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 eBay uh, of like sold out uh, variant runs and they're going for like one hundred and fifty bucks. Yeah. <laughs> And what all these different on? things along the line, yeah. and then I got to like this whole full circle to to bring the back the book back and get it to even a, maybe hopefully a broader audience has just been, again, mind blowing and and just this amazing journey. So how does special the special edition of Parallel, which is kind of like your second one, is yeah. that like an expansion on the original story? So so fifty bonus pages, right? Oh, okay. And, That's quite the expansion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and like, I mean, it runs the gamut. So like I said, like I got to curate all the back matter and mm -hmm. like, you know, thank you, Ed Brubaker for inspiring me and, and Scott Snyder because some of my favorite back matter, whether it be like the very personal stories that Scott Snyder would tell at the back of witches or the way Ed Brubaker just like, I, he's just so good at it. Right. And, um, and I, and I wanted, God, I, I'm assuming at some point a couple of years ago, we talked about like, I really appreciate as a comic fan, bang for your buck, mm -hmm. rereadability stuff that like, look, you and I have both bought things. I'm sure where the back matter is literally there to push a page count and be able to charge a higher price. And that annoys me as a fan. And I have zero desire to do that to anybody else who would be willing to spend some bucks. <laughs> on so, um, so like I made sure that everything in there was something that I would want to see in the back. And, yeah. and there's, there's an afterword in there that that's very personal and it kind of much more eloquently than I just rambled through some of the journey over the, the yeah. couple of years. <laughs> it, it tells it uh, in, a, in a much cleaner way. Um, bringing it up to date of where it was. I mean, the only thing that it really leaves out of the afterword is like, the insanity of the last year putting together uh, the the special edition, um, having to rearrange where the Kickstarter for Jane American would go because of health concerns on on my end. Um, but like that that story's there. Um, you've got your obligatory but very cool cover gallery. You've got your annotated script pages. You've got your annotated concept art. You've got a brand new bonus story diving back into the world of parallel. That um, I was describing it as a between the panels story which it, it is um i was thinking marvel's editor notes uh back in mm. the 80s but what it really is and what their inspiration really is is like uh the back of class the, the first 40 some issues of classic x-men it's actually snapshots of in between you know in x-men it was in between this issue and this issue this actually went down and it kind of enriches the story so there's and somewhere elsewhere uh somewhere elsewhere type thing uh, yeah and it's like it's so, so it's like it's like when you move from you know you're familiar with parallel you've read it a couple of times when you move from this scene to this scene you're getting glimpses at what yes went in between there and it really fleshes out a couple of the characters uh in a way that that i really appreciated so i was really excited about that too and then you know what as much as i even love the bonus story i think I think my favorite part of the special edition is actually like some of the an like the annotated script pages, which would be the thing that I would think universally, unless you're a total process nerd, mm -hmm. it would be the thing that I think most people in back matter would skip. Don't skip mine because it is not just <laughs> well, like, you know, page 47, right? Yeah. It's, it's because I'm who I am. I can't resist. We had to edit it back what I wrote because oh it, my. Like, it'd be like a script page and then a page of text. <laughs> like it, it's cool, but it's too much. So what it ends up being is is kind. Of, it's not just. It's like the. It's like where that story got written. So like my favorite little bit in there. I'm going to give this away right here. Um, is like the, the, there's a couple of scenes that I put in there. A couple of pages that illustrate X, Y, and Z. Right good pages to have if you want to see how the if you're into the process stuff but then i tell it the story about this one scene it's a scene i really really like 
but the story of like how I wrote it, when I wrote it, and it's more just like personal narrative of, um, um, I'm at this street fair in Southeastern Michigan, uh, like in Royal Oak. And I'm there with my wife and our friend and the two of them like go into this shop and there's a street fair, right? Hipster street fair dudes, dudes with uh, playing bago. And I lit like right in the street and I like sit, I get hit with the lightning bolt for this scene. Like I, I, crack oh, it, like, yeah. I, know what I, I sit down on the curb with pull out paper, crumple them in the back, <laughs> and pencil. I'm like scribbling away as the beanbags are like whipping past my head, yeah. not noticing at all. And like these dudes are like stepping over me. I'm like, no, 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 gotta get it down. Gotta get it down. And like, that's the kind of, you know, uh, that's the kind of annotation I'm talking about in special edition. <laughs> That's the good stuff, man. You always right. kind of like want to know where these uh, point of origins of these ideas come from. And speaking of origins, uh, let's hear about your origins and some of uh, what books inspired you to write things like this. Well, so I think for as atypical as my journey as a creator has been, mm-hmm. whether it's from the age that I started to how Parallel came to be to all the things along the way, right? The unlikely of everything that's happened to me so far my comics kind of origin is pretty standard if not a little bit later than most right i didn't have um i didn't have older siblings i didn't have cool parents i didn't have the dude down the street who tells you this is the band this is the movie these are the stories and so I came to things a little bit later than i think a lot of people right like i didn't hit comic books until i was 12 and, um, but once I was in, you know, you and I were talking off air earlier about uh, the number of <laughs> DVDs or Blu-rays yeah. we may or may or may not own, you know, and like, so, so like what well, I call it, and this is probably, uh, irresponsible me to call this, but like high functioning OCD, like yeah. if I'm in, I'm in, I want it all right. Yeah. Like greatest, like a greatest hits album is like, like get out of here go jump in a lake right, right? i want the full album yeah I want either i don't like you or i want every single yes. thing you've ever produced and um so i got into comics pretty hard and uh, at like 12 and i had that run like through like my middle teenage years and um and then i did that thing where you step away i took my nine-year hiatus right and you know when i was a kid it's like early 90s and uh, you know, and, and I love X-Men. What books were you picking up then? Yeah. Well, I love X-Men. I love Wolverine. I, I'm a sucker for die cut and foil covers because that was yeah. the era. But, but at the same time, oh God, my movie taste was like this at the same time as well. I'm like, I'm like half collector and half just immersed in good story and something mm. good to read. So like at the same time as I'm buying Spawn number one, because image art and yeah and image and, and it's Todd my pull list is every single Valiant title because yeah. of the tight interwoven universe right and and the much more realistic Barry Windsor Smith storytelling and art like on something like Archer and Armstrong right at the same time I'm reading X-Men I'm also very I'm gonna say age inappropriately but not like like content wise but like what 12 year old also loves Sandman Mystery Theater. Yeah. Our comic book with Guy Davis art, you know, and there's not a muscle to be seen on 22 pages each issue. Like what is happening? You know, at the same time I'm living and breathing Star Wars. I'm like, you know what my second favorite movie is? All the President's Men. You know, it's like the the weirdest 12 year old, right? Or or whatever. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm reading everything. I'm collecting everything. And then I go on this hiatus and the only two books I took with me into hiatus, the only two things that followed me um, were Sandman, Neil Gaiman, Sandman, and then uh, Art Spiegelman's Mouse. And you're reading, I'm reading Mouse at at Michigan State. Um, I'm having it stolen out of my room because it's so good. I I buy it like five times. Um, And then it's actually Neil Gaiman who brings me back into comic shops, like in the mid 2000s, because he comes back to comics after a seven year hiatus or whatever it was. And to to write uh, Marvel 1602 with, ironically, his legal battle with with the Todd father. Right. And uh, and then I'm hooked again. And and it's the exact same dichotomy to this day, just with a slightly higher budget. 
And it's it's like collecting and doing your runs and getting your keys and your shiny covers. But at the same time, you know, I, if if Jeff Lemire writes something, I'm buying it, right? If Ed Brubaker writes something, I'm buying it to read it. Uh, I want the hardcover, right? I want the fancy sedan because I want the back matter too. All the various. So, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, absolutely. That, I mean, that's who I am as like a comic collector slash reader. It's like a half and half. It's a 50-50 split for sure. Awesome. So let's uh, transfer things over to Jane American yeah. and that one. Uh, so what inspired you to do Jane American? So there's these um, – oh, my God, forgive me for saying it, but there's these parallels between Jane and <laughs> um, in the fact that I think huh, – I think the type of storyteller that I am, I, I, I think that this is safe to say now, is somebody who really likes to balance a comic book wrapping paper with some much more universal, deeper themes that it, that, that, that it encompasses, right? So if you go back to Parallel, it's a dark sci-fi twisted tale. It's a sci-fi comic, right? It's, it's with, with dark kind of horror undertones to it, at least psychological horror tones. But at its root, it's about a very, very universal theme of the existential dread of time passing and dreams deferred. It's something that we all go through. Landon's just happens to manifest in a parallel version of himself, reaching out, offering him that chance that he thought left behind forever. Right. So structurally, Jane's the same thing. Right. Okay. As as drastically different as they are in in story and, and tone or whatever. Structurally, it's the same thing. It is a story about a young person that can do things that other people can't right? comic book trope. Right. Yes. Um, without me saying those words, yes. I don't, I don't want, I don't want to, you know what? There's a, there's an ending to this one shot. That's going to have you going, mm, give me more. So I'm not going to say those words, but you know what I'm saying? And that's the wrapping paper. That's the comic book nerd in me. But what this book is really about at its core, this is about, identity it's about gender it's about self-worth it's about small town societal norms uh it just happens to be a period piece set during world war ii and post and in post-war america so it's like that that thing and the inspiration ironically enough is actually similar to parallel uh um, at least in one way you know parallel came about um there's a raw idea that was sitting there that my buddy and i discussed there's my own midlife crisis of what am I doing? Right. Why, why do I just keep on putting off something that I want to do and then finally doing it? And, and then there's this inspiration that I'm sure we talked about last time where I had a former student who was like pushing 30, like landed into the book mm -hmm. and like kind of woke up one day and said, where did the last eight years go? Uh, is my, is the, sh the door shut on my dream? And it like just clicked for me. I was like, well, I'm going to write this story, right? This is yeah. for me. This is for you. This is for everybody who's gone through that. And the same thing happened here. Okay. I've been teaching for 23 years. And that, that means it's, it's literally, I'm a 21st century teacher, right? Like I'm an old dude. I come from the analog era, right? Give me a chalkboard before a smartboard. <laughs> but I'm a teacher in the 21st century. Yeah. It's all my kids are 21st century kids. Okay. And it's been bothering me for a long time that you've got these young people who have come through my room and even in the 21st century are still struggling with fulfilling who they actually are. That, that identity crisis, because, because their parents say something else, their peers say something else, their teachers say something else, society says something else. And it's very hard to figure out who you are as a kid, much less embrace that if other people are telling you yeah. that's not who you should be. And then you extrapolate that back to 1946 and 1942 when the story takes place. And it's exponentially a bigger problem. And then where this story gets really, really personal for me is this story is actually inspired by and named after my late grandmother who, oh, okay. who, who fought against and not entirely successfully a lot being put in that same box of societal expectations just in hers and during and post-World War II America. Okay. So like this story becomes very personal because there's like family names throughout the book and it's meticulously researched. It takes place in the town that I grew up in, uh, in a very, like, it's, it's, it is World War II and post-World War II Plymouth, Michigan, like halfway okay. between Detroit and Ann Arbor, okay, right where I grew up. The factory that, that Jane spends a lot of the time of this book in 
is actually a real factory uh, that during World War II used to be a wire factory and they got a war contract to make Marsden mats, which even if you don't know the name, like if you're not like the deepest World War II history nerd of all time, you don't know the name, but you know what they are. They're the the big, long, corrugated um, metal uh, punched hole sheets of metal that they turned into the temporary runways in, in, in the Pacific to do island hopping, right? So down the road in both directions, all the industrial plants go from cars in Detroit to bombers. And right here in Little Plymouth, they turn a wild wire factory into the how to get those bombers off the ground. Mm-hmm. And my great-grandfather worked in that factory during World War II. Um, my grandfather and I, uh, my, my, my grandmother's husband, high school sweethearts, the week before they actually tore apart the actual wall wire, we got a tour. Oh. Ripped it all down. So, like, my artist, like, like Annie, Annie Wright is working from photos and videos of, like, stripped down to the brickwork and the conveyor belts that held the, the Mars and Mass and the train depot on the back. And, like, it's, it's just, dude, I'm so excited just about the research part of this because I'm yeah. a nerd at heart, too. Like, um, yeah, the story is ridiculously personal to me. Uh, my grandfather, who, who made it um, to 99 years and a month, right, lived a good life, fought in World War II, uh, president of Qantas International. Like, literally his – I can't tell you during the last year of his life how much pleasure it gave him to see his name and his high school sweetheart's name on the page and start to see the art. There's, there's a character named after him. There's a character who's got his likeness and like it tickled him no end. And it gave him, uh, you know, so much kind of something to cling on to and, and, and to keep going, even when things got tough towards the end. And like, you know, as much as parallel was a project about fulfilling a dream for myself, you know, that the 12 year old in me, the comic fan, yeah, man, this thing, this thing's for my grandma. This thing's for my grandpa. Um, it, it's it, and it's really for all these kids who have struggled throughout my classroom in the 21st century. You know, like literally a couple thousand of them now. And 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 how tough that can be for anybody who 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 doesn't feel comfortable really embracing who they are because that's Jane's story. Excellent. So you are crowdfunding this book. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm finally doing. I'm finally doing it right, the way you're yeah. supposed to do books in the 21st century. Yeah. Not the. Uh, I don't know if you remember me telling the story. Not me walking into a convention with half a script, say, in a Manila folder with paperclips, saying, "Would you like to make a comic book for me?" Which, like, <laughs> when, when when I approached, you know, the, the people at SourcePoint, I mean, they looked at me like I was insane, but they were also like, "Are you trying to pitch me a comic from 1970? Because this is not how things are done, but let's do it anyway." Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm finally doing it the way you're supposed to do it. <laughs> so that will go live on Kickstarter on May 2nd, and yeah. we'll have links to that attached to this episode, of course. Uh, and how long is that Kickstarter going to run for? So it's going to go for exactly 30 days, okay. um, which is, you know, it's kind of like that, that magic window, right? You never yep. really want to go over it because then people will think that, yeah, I've got time and then it doesn't get funded. Um, but I want to give people, I want to pe- give people May, you know, I want to give yeah. people May uh, to, to take a look at it. I'm super excited. Look, like if you know anything about me, uh, either as a teacher or as a comic book creator, like, you know, I'm doing my research, you know, that I'm working really hard to prepare to make sure it's the best thing possible. Like I want, I want people to be happy with whatever level of support they're going to give. So like, I'm so fired up. I mean, right now, you know, if this goes out to people uh, before May 2nd, like the mm-hmm. best thing you can do is obviously you go to Kickstarter.com or, or if you got the link to the to the sign up page. Right. And, and you sign up to be notified when it goes live. Uh, that's one of the things that I've researched again in my, in my you know, trying to figure out how this is. You know, the more people you have following it, the, the better off your chances are uh, of getting it funded. But I'll tell you, when that thing goes live on May 2nd, I really can't wait for people to see it because, oh, boy. So. Um, I may or may not have, uh, have commissioned a couple of, um, uh, rather impressive, uh, cover artists to do exclusives for us for this. Oh boy. <laughs> and, uh, and I, yeah, I'll, I'll reveal it right here. Uh, I'm going to be showing 
those covers on on um, Instagram on my on, on at J Douglas writes over the next uh, couple of weeks leading up to May second. But uh, Malia Elwert is doing one of the covers, and she is fresh off of her gig as a animator for DreamWorks, and is now working with Garrett Gunn making comic books at SourcePoint. She's done a bunch of the best um, Good Boy covers, and her cover is. Oh God, it's it's gorgeous. Okay, it's gorgeous, and we're it's going to be the one. Um, we've got like a very limited textless variant that's going to go with that one. That's like very limited, and that's one of those things where it's a tiny little window, mm-hmm. so you got to get on it early. And then because this is nice, I'll tie it together to origin story. Because I'm such a '90s comic book nerd, it <laughs> will be getting it will be getting the uh, uh, chromium variant uh, uh, treatment. Uh, we're talking. We're talking. Turok number one, right? <laughs> Shadow Man number zero. That beautiful. Some people are like, get out of here with that. I'm like, variants for days, those. man. Give me all of those. And then, and then if that wasn't enough, Cena uh, uh, Grace did me a huge favor and he made a cover for me. And we're talking about the the dude who wrote Iceman who a uh, little depressed boy uh, ran Skybound and edited uh, The Walking Dead for Kirkman for years before he started doing his own books and has now got a, a big old Superman book coming out this fall for DC. And he created this cover that on its own looks like it's coming out of the 1940s. It's got a little <laughs> Tintin vibe to it. Yeah. And then my, my letter and designer, um, Dave Lentz, vintaged it up. So it's got those faux creases. It looks on incredible, man. It looks, it looks, it looks old. And then this is my most exciting for my for my variant nerds. Like you're gonna go nuts. So I'm putting it through this printing process. It's called a soft touch laminate. Okay, kind of feels a little bit like suede, but literally what? what it, yeah, I know, I know, it's crazy. I wouldn't have believed it had I not gone to the printing yeah. plant where I'm getting my my books printed and like touched one and said, what, oh, what is that? And um, she's like, that's a soft touch laminate, and I'm like, okay, tell me more. <laughs> so, so what happens is, if you put it through soft touch laminate. And then visually, you design it as like a a a, a, a vintage old comic book. Mm-hmm. This book is literally going to look and feel like it's coming out of the 1940s. Ah, oh, that's so cool. And um, and Garrett Gunn uh, of SourcePoint has named it, and I adopted this. He's named it the Granddad's Attic Variant. Because it's, <laughs> it's been in your granddad's attic for the last, like, 60, 70 years, and it's going to be in your hands if you jump on Now, will these all be available at launch of the Kickstarter? Or you yeah, yeah, everything. There, there's okay. nothing hiding. Um you know, they're, they're, some of them are limited in number, so you okay. want to go early. Okay. And the only thing that's going to be limited in time is going to be the uh, the Virgin Textless variant of Malia's cover, um, because it just it's it's gorgeous and you know it, it produces a little excitement. It looks so good on its own. It's got it's got a Rosie the Riveter feel that you would not believe, because um, that's like a big it's a big theme in the book too. Uh, the the economic. I mean, look. So so it's this. The book is this 32-page, one-shot, full-color comic, right? It's kind of introducing us to Jane's world and exploring those themes of identity, gender, and self-worth that we mm-hmm. talked about. And um, it's got hints of, like, Superman for all seasons, Archie, Archie 1941. And I think I think the way, like, if I'm going to give you my one-liner, like, the, 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 the pitch, it's like, listen, you're going to read these 32 pages. It doesn't matter what age you are. Uh, my belief is that it's going to break your heart. Ooh. It's going to make you cheer. Oh. And it's going to shock you with a cliffhanger ending that's going to have you begging for more. Because if this sucker gets funded, um, the long-term plan, the Give long-term plan is <laughs> the 120-page OGN that follows. Yeah. Um, and that's that's the whole story. I mean, you can read this. It's self-contained. But you're going to want more. Um, like, my elevator pitch for this is uh, the way I'm thinking about it is, like, you look at Jane – who has this life that's filled with more than enough responsibility for a young per- person coming of age in small wartime American town. Okay. You get family tragedy. Dad goes off to war and that changes her. The trauma that changes her in these unbelievable ways that are better left hidden. Okay. Yet, and this is where the rosy part comes in it. Yet the economic hardships presented by the end of the war, right? Mom gets sent home from the factory. Dad's not coming home. Um, 
it's left Jane with this choice. It's left her with a choice. She can stay safe, as she's been told. She can stay hidden, which is clearly the best decision for her own well-being. Or she can embrace who she really is for the sake of everybody that she loves. And that's the story at its core. Awesome. So we talked a little bit prior to this episode. And before we take things in a negative route, uh, let's talk about the creative process. Because since we talked last, uh, well, did an episode last, I have also made a book, which you have read. uh, And we had had discussions about writing too much and sometimes just just writing to write for writing's sake and how important that is as a writer, as a creator, uh, talk about your feelings on writing just to write the man who writes too much. (laughs) It's, It's maybe one of the healthiest things you can do for yourself. Okay. It's like, I mean, there, there is a reason why, Mental health experts, one of the first, before they're going to prescribe you a single piece of any kind of medicine, they're going to tell you to go journal, Mm -hmm. right? They're going to tell you to just pour it out on the page because it's freaking therapy. And when when you're being specifically creative with your writing, um, that can do the exact same thing as well. It, uh, it might hurt a little bit differently, right? Because it's like, it's that, you know, um, w- when you have that story in mind, as opposed to just freely pouring out your feelings or your day on the page, you know, you, you hit those different kind of like those different kind of cramps and those different kind of painful things that you can't figure out. You might manifest as writer block. It might writer's block. It might manifest some other way. Um, but it's, it's really, really good for you, I think. And, and, Look, life gets in the way sometimes, but like if, if, if you've got something that you can, you know, you can come back to, if you, if you know, you're not just like abandoning it, I think, I think it's a great way to kind of, uh, keep your balance. Um, if that's something you think you can do and, uh, I, yeah, I don't see a downside to it. Yeah, I a hundred percent agree, man. That's, that's some good advice and definitely, uh, I can see how it's therapeutic, on, on some level too. Well, it's, it's, it it's also, it's also the thing that it's also the thing that like, like the best piece of writing advice I ever got in my life was actually from, from Neil Gaiman directly. And, uh, years before I started any of this, like I was at this, this very bizarre open sourcing Linux convention. I was there cause he was there oh, okay. and his son was working for Linux at the time. Right. And it was, it was like local and it was like this great opportunity. And I was teaching fourth grade at the time and this, his one of his daughters was about a fourth grader at the time, and my kids were uh, my my students had been writing him letters because we were listening to Coraline by by Candlelight uh, to make it creepier, and they loved it and blah 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 blah. And I got like forty five minutes of his time where we were just hanging out and talking. And the, the piece of advice that he gave that I, I know he said publicly in other places often is just like the way you create a comic, the way you create anything is you just do it. Yeah, and. When he pauses there, it sounds trite. It sounds thin. But the reality is, and how he backs it up, and this is the advice that I give to anybody who asks me now, is like, like make your thing. Because when you do, it exists. Yeah. And what I can't promise you is what happens next. I can't promise you that it's good. I can't promise you that anybody will care. I can't promise you that, um, that, it, that it goes anywhere. Yeah. But I absolutely can promise you that if you don't make it absolutely nothing will happen yep and that's and because we're humans and i truly believe it's human nature to embrace the fact that it's always easier to do nothing than to do something oh yeah um i'm living proof of uh sitting on a dream for decades and decades and decades and had i not you know found that inspiration to finally get off my butt and do this thing and take that big leap like none of this would have happened none of this would have existed and uh you know robert frost road not taken um regrets will drive you mad but like man i feel like i would have regretted that yeah i i'm in the same boat man with uh paranoia i yeah 
I wrote it and I was like, you know, what? Well, I was, I'm, I'm so it. excited that you did that. That's so cool. And it, it like, doesn't it feel good? It, it's like, it. look, does it matter what happens next? Of course it does. But on one level it doesn't because like you're, you're doing this thing and it, it, it exists now. It yes. exists. And there, that cannot, that doesn't go back in the bottle. No. Right. Yeah, the, 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 right. You can't go backwards on that. You you created a thing that now exists in the world. And that's yeah. that's a bit of magic, I think. And it's, and it's a little bit of part of me as well. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and, for and, sure. And it's, it's going to exist forever. And it's and it's right. something that that matters it's about leaving something behind. Yeah. And transitioning that into the more sadder side. Uh, yeah. We, we've you mentioned it earlier uh, briefly. Uh, the C word. Uh, and it's not comic books. No. Uh, <laughs> So you are a cancer survivor. Yeah. You kicked its ass, Roddy Roddy Piper style. Yeah. And there might be, you were on your steps again, and you had some shady news, man. You want to talk about that? Yeah. So, like, like like, the big arc of the story is apparently I am making up for lost time in the last two years. I had, uh, I had uh, four decades of uh, ridiculously good health where, I don't know, this might be a little hyperbole, but I'm pretty sure I took Tylenol maybe 12 times, you know, a couple of headaches here and there. And then the last few years, I've just been literally falling apart. It's like a cliche, like you hit 40 and suddenly you fall apart and it's like (laughs) a joke and it's actually happening to me, which is insane. Um, I, I... I, uh, I tore the meniscus in my left knee by kneeling down and helping a kid with an essay in class. Like, it, it, what? nothing superhero. Yeah, nothing superheroic. I literally, I bent down to, like, talk about a talk about a topic sentence, and, like, there was this noise, and a bunch of kids, like, their eyes went like this. And that, It's pretty but, loud when that happens. Isn't it was it? the LC, the, the learning consultant who's in the room, was like, like, that didn't sound good. Like, it didn't feel good. <laughs> um, so, like, I, I, get, I get knee surgery, yeah. right? Um we had a lot of, we had a lot of tragedy in our family. My, my, my wife lost both of her parents and I lost both of my dad in a span of nine months. And like, I'm watching them. It's going to get dark. I'm watching them trying to revive my dad and I shattered one of my back molars and then ignored it. And it got gross and they had to yank that out. Um, just about a, a, a month ago, I had a doctor tell me that from my x-rays I have ready for this is a medical professional saying this. I have, <clears throat> shockingly severe arthritis in my left foot for someone my age. Like it's literally falling apart. So all this stuff is swirling around and going on. And, and, and my family and I kind of, we had the the five of us, we like had this summer, we were trying to find some center, some some semblance of normal, right? We went on a couple of trips and, and uh, you know, a lot of kids sports and a lot of sunshine and, and came back from that with the plan of uh, Jane American Kickstarter Mm-hmm. probably in September and uh, and then parallel special edition would be early 2023. And we ended up flipping that because I went in uh, in August, right before school started for a routine colonoscopy. I'm not showing any symptoms or anything like that. It's literally, I'm a rule follower and the age changed from 50 to 45 on when you're supposed to go get your first one. I go in there, come out, I'm doing my normal. I'm like making a joke with the doctor still under the hazy, you know, a medication and like the look on his face, I'm not picking on the signals. My wife was, and she's like, something's wrong. I'm like, what are you talking about? You know, feeling still pretty good from the anesthetic and, they found this giant tumor in my colon trying to kill me. And I was under the knife a couple of weeks later, August 30th, and they cut it out and, and the margins were clean. And I entered a clinical trial to see if there's DNA uh, cancer floating around my stream, uh, bloodstream. And I've been clear on that. And, 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 and I'm in the kind of standard of care and things are feeling pretty good. And I'm trying to win recovery. I'm like back at school in like two weeks, it's supposed to be a month and a half, you know, that kind of thing. And, uh, and, you know, things are still fine, but I got, you know, test results about a week ago that there's a new growth on the outside of my colon and it could be scar tissue. Mm -hmm. It could be cancer. It could be something else. I got to get this, uh, a a cat scan in a couple of weeks. No, a pet scan. There you go. A pet scan in a couple of weeks where they, um, they shoot a dye into you. That's like glucose heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, cause cancer loves sugar. It'll just like, like, like if that, if that two centimeter growth on the outside of my colon, uh, what's left of my colon, where they reattached me, um, 
lights up and sucks it up, then it's cancer. And then, you know, you do more tests and then it's probably another surgery. Um, and if it doesn't, then it's something else. And you lay out a couple more tests, but it's like, it's, if I'm going to be completely honest with you and anybody who's tuning in, it, it, like you hear the tone of my voice, right? You, it's almost matter of fact. It's almost, you know, I'm smiling because, man, I'm tired, right? Like it, it's mm-hmm. just, it, it's been this life now of however many months of what my wife and I call hurry up and wait. Yeah. Where it's like, it's like, it's like, oh my God, uh, tension that you can cut with a knife, pins and needles till this test comes in, test comes back, the best news it can be which is a momentary relief, but the reality is great. This test is clean. Now wait two weeks where the next test could show even worse news than this test could have shown. And it's kind of been, you know, six, seven months of that. And it's exhausting. Yeah. And yet tomorrow keeps coming, right? Yes. And eighth graders need me to try to convince them that grammar isn't boring. They need me to lie <laughs> them, right? Uh, uh, three children who live in my house need a ride to sport A, B, and C. Yeah. Right. Uh, the youngest needs me to read her something before bed. Um, Jane American needs to get funded. It's like uh, reality keeps on going and you know, I've got plenty to live for. So like, I'm not, I, I don't think besides, I'm going to be completely honest besides the first 48 hours, I don't think there's even been a moment where I was like, I don't think it happened. Yeah. Um, the, the, the first, the first, the, the, you've got something in you trying to kill you. Here it is. That first blur of like 36, 48 hours was probably the roughest since then. Like if I'm not going to die tomorrow, I better get my stuff. You know, I've got stuff to do today and I've got plans for tomorrow. So I'm going to just keep going. And Fucking I'll tell you hell. what, though, it's it has like between the fact that Jane American as a project is dedicated to all these other people. Yes. Inspired by and dedicated to like family members who are now no longer with us. And then that that new sense of my own mortality. Yeah. I mean, I'm more motivated than ever. Right. Like 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 it's it's. It makes the prospect of like how Kickstarter works being my first one of the, the all or nothing. It makes it even more terrifying. Yeah. Right. Because like I, in the same way that I mentioned you before about like going out there and, and doing like the 75 interviews, like, like I am, I am, I am probably even the, to the detriment, detriment of my own health, like working to the bone to, to do everything that I can, even though it's still an unknown for me. Um, to, to make sure this thing happens. Yeah. And it's not the motivation that I think, you know, is a bit more typical where I, you know, I just don't want to fail um, or, or anything about ego about, you know, my project deserves whatever, like my fear of failure comes from the fact that I truly feel that there's, there's other people than me relying on me to pull this off. That's understandable. Um, and so, so like the pressure is pretty high, mm-hmm. but, uh, I love to say that I'm like super confident, but like, it's an unknown. I don't know. I don't know how, you know, I don't know how it's going to go. I can hope that it's going to go a certain way. I can work my butt off to do everything I can in every waking moment to make sure it goes a certain way. Um, but like in the end, it's up to, it's up to people. It's kind of how indie comics live and breathe, right? Mm-hmm. It's up to fans and fellow creators to all support the community because it's not, we're not the big two. We don't have major corporations behind us. We don't have 80 some years of infrastructure and editorial mandate and, an IP that like will float a boat. Uh, if, if, if somebody, if, 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 if X-Men gets ignored for 30 days, mm-hmm. X-Men will be back in 30 yeah. days. <laughs> If, 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 if people turn the other way for 30 days in May, my book doesn't exist in the world. That's, you know what yeah. I mean? So it's like it's a different level of pressure, and it really comes down to everybody supporting everybody else and, and, and giving it a shot so that, so that those independent stories continue to exist in the world. May 2nd. Yeah, May 2nd. Yep. 
Yeah. That'll be on Kickstarter, folks. So let's get away from the sad stuff and talk yeah. about current affairs. What books are you reading right now? What comic books are you reading? So I am reading, let's see, last night uh, I stayed up way too late uh, doing a live show and then only got a couple pages in. But I, I'm reading um, uh, Matt Kent's Mind, Manage- uh, Mind Management Bootleg right now, um, which is really good. And I just love – like, he's another one of those modern writers that I can't get enough of. Love his art, too. But, uh, oh, my God. So I'm reading some Mind Management right now. Um, I am reading a stack of floppies that are just random stuff that, that I just – you know, hey, let's – Let's give it a read. There's a bunch of Marvel two in ones I'm reading right now. Um, kind of like as I'm pretending to go medium fast on the Peloton. Like literally, <laughs> how lazy, like how, how non-workout would it be? Like you, can you just picture me like on the Peloton, like literally reading a like a, a Marvel two in one from yeah. 1982. Um, it's, it's it's delightful, charming, and pathetic all at once. Um, <laughs> so I am I am always I'm um I'm very much uh waiting for I don't know if I ever told you this about my reading habits. So if there's a series with any kind of continuity to it at all and I'm waiting for the trade, um if I love it enough, what I'll do is I go back and start at the beginning. Yeah. So like 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 when when Jeff Lemire's like when Descender was coming out, right? And and I was I wasn't buying floppies, I was buying it by trade. And like I read volume one, you know, seven times. Or or however many is it six six like six times. Because I yeah. go back and reread the first one again and again. And and the thing that I'm actually anticipating right now, I like I want have you been reading Brubaker's Reckless books? I have not. Oh my god. The dude just him and him and Phillips are are for me. When I came back to comics, it was like a a, a Loban sale thing. I was like, oh, they're the best team, you know. He, it is in my Amazon cart though. Uh, is I did, it? I just checked. I was like, Reckless and Friend of the Devil in there. I was like, yeah, those are in there. No, dude, <laughs> dude. Like, I think I think they're the dynamic duo. I think that they are. They might be the best team in comics. They are just yeah. so freaking good. And the pandemic hit, and they basically. You know, when things were in flux, really, really bad there for a minute, like how, how is, like how are things going to be distributed and what, how is this going to work? And there's still a lot of questions right now in the industry, but like they just reinvented a way to make it work for them by just doing this quarterly book, <laughs> this kind of quarterly OGN. It's still the running thing, but it's not, it's not monthly like Criminal was or, or miniseries monthly like Criminal was. It's just a big, fat, amazing story once every quarter or about there. And it's just, it's to die for. I love it. And I go back and reread volume one, two, three, four. They all stand on their own, but like, I highly recommend that too. Awesome. Yes. uh, That's actually the, uh, somebody else, I think Adam Marcus recommended the Brubaker to me as well. That is, yeah, I hear a lot about that. That's, that's a great, that's a great. Yeah. Nobody writes crime. Nobody writes noir like him. Uh, It's not even close. Fucking A. So, where can they find you on Instagram? Easy peasy. Uh, at J Douglas writes, just the letter J, right? Because I didn't want you to have to type too many letters. A S O N was it was a bridge too far. So at J Douglas writes, you cannot miss me on there. Check it out. My my little picture these days. Mm-hmm. I'm like I'm literally. It's like the day after surgery. I'm in my hospital gown. I'm like flexing like superhero. Yes. IV in my hand. You can't miss it. So yeah, go find go follow me there. Um, this, like the next handful of days leading up to May 2nd is going to be totally, you know, little cover reveals, big cover mm-hmm. reveals. So you can kind of see some of those things that are going to come up there and then, and then off and running on May 2nd. When's your next convention appearance? So I was just, uh, I was just at Muncie, uh, doing an Indiana comic convention. Let's see last week. I will be at State of Comics in Plymouth, Michigan. Plymouth, Michigan, where the book takes place. Wow. Um, <laughs> uh, for Free Comic Book Day on May 6th. Um, I'll be at Traverse City at the end of May. Uh, I think I'm, I'm being popped on there as a guest any day now. Um, I'm doing a couple of small shows here and there and then kind of playing it by ear because I still need to give my kids a summer. Um, 
and uh, and yeah, so so you know, no, nothing major, but a, a, a convention here, an appearance there, and getting Parallel Special Edition out in the world, signing it. I'm telling you, dude. Where can they oh. buy Parallel Special? Well, okay, so. Look at this cover. It might ah. be my favorite parallel cover yet. It's, it's like awesome. I mean, the Donnie Darko variant is obviously very wicked cool if you've seen that before, and the Baltimore exclusive one was was awesome. But I just love this cover. It's incredible. You, you need not only do you need a copy of this, but you need to get it signed by me because silver, uh, gold, and bronze have been popping on this cover. It oh, I bet. So good. Um, so right now. Source point press, you can get them from them. Okay. Uh, get on Amazon. Basically, okay. anything anything that Simon and Schuster distributes to, you can get it through. So you can go straight straight to Simon and Schuster. You can get it from Indie. You can get it from Amazon. You can get it from Barnes and Noble. Um, you can so, overpay on eBay. You can overpay on eBay. Don't do that. <laughs> um, and so you can get it that way. Uh, you can get it from me at any of the uh, appearances that I'm doing, and I've got a list of those on IG. And then probably when I'm wrapping up that tour, that mini tour this spring, early summer, um, depending on how many I've got left in like my little cache downstairs, um, I'll probably go on IG and, and and send them out to people, and, and so you can get a signed copy if you don't if if you don't want to do it that the other way. Awesome. Excellent. So stay tuned for uh, the release of The Adventures of Jane American. Go buy Parallel Special Edition. Go check out Jason on Instagram. Man, good luck with the crowdfunding. I will definitely be pushing for you and sharing the hell out of that link, man, because I I believe in this project. Parallel was an awesome book, and I don't doubt that this one will be just as awesome or if not cooler. Thank you for coming on this episode. Thank you for talking to me again. It was a true pleasure, man. You're one of the good ones, buddy. I really, really appreciate your time. I I talk to you all day, as you can probably tell. <laughs> yes, yes. Same here, man. But thank you. Thank you guys for tuning in for another episode of Hypodermic. We will be back very soon with a bunch of uh, musical guests, and I, I can't wait to share that with you. But until next time, this is the Pod Boss, TJ Bowser. Bye-bye!